Welcome to the Sunday Morning Message with Pastor Nick Stringer, brought to you from Creekside Church in Brookville, Indiana. Creekside Church, where the Spirit flows. Today's scripture will be taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 5. And verse 14, so open up your Bibles, if you would, please, to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And we're going to start here at the beginning, verses 1 through 5, and then I'm going to jump down to verse 14. It reads like this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. That word comprehend means overpower. Now skip down to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. What we have here today is the third message of a four-part series how to read the Bible. Now, in the previous weeks, we have discussed how the Bible is God's inspired word. The words of Scripture are God-breathed and how the word of God is able to transform us. And what we're going to speak about today is that God revealed his word to us in human form through the person of Jesus Christ. And so our principle for today is this. Jesus is the Word of God in human form, in human form. In our application, the life and ministry of Jesus explains the nature of Almighty God. A little bit of context around this passage. As you see, this was written by the Apostle John. John was one of the 12 disciples of Jesus Christ who witnessed his life and his ministry, this passage here, this book of John, was written near the end of John's life, uh, around the end of the first century, about 90 A.D., and it details Jesus' earthly ministry and his deity. When I say the word deity, I mean how Jesus was God. Jesus was God. He was fully human, yet fully God. This was probably most likely written from Ephesus, most scholars believe. And the Apostle John uh, refers to himself as the Apostle whom Jesus loved. And one of the examples of that is at Jesus' crucifixion. It was the Apostle John who assumed the care of Mary, the mother of Jesus, at his death on the cross. And what John is doing here in this book and what he's trying to accomplish is he wants to tell the readers that Jesus is Lord and God who came in the flesh. And he's writing this to encourage the church that was scattered and persecuted in Asia Minor at the time. 
A lot of persecution was happening within the church. And John wanted to encourage them that Jesus, whom they worshipped, he was God in the flesh. And so what he says, he says something very interesting. And I'm going to take you to verse 18 here in chapter 1. And I want you to look at that with me. It says here, it says, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. And John is referring to Jesus Christ. And what he is saying there is that Jesus, whom we saw and whom we touched and whom we had words with and whom we had meals with, he explains God. And what he meant by explaining God is Jesus reveals God. You know, I remember as a youngster, in the early 80s, we would go into a library at school, and our librarian would read stories to us, and on occasion, uh, she would have a guest reader. And so I remember vividly, we were there circled around on the floor, and this guest reader sat down in a chair, much like this, and began to read to us a book, but this was a different kind of book. It was a pop-up book. Now, in the early 80s, a pop-up book was mind-blowing, right? I mean, you just didn't see it before. She opened up the book, and the characters popped up out of the book. And so we were all like, ooh, ah, we hope she comes back again and again, right? So she had a pop-up book, and that's exactly what Jesus Christ is to us. He is the pop-up of the Word of God, the Word of God in human form, the Word of God in the flesh. Jesus reveals who God is. Now, as I was reading this passage and preparing for this message, what came to me through the Holy Spirit was that Jesus reveals to us three desires of God. And I wanted to share these three desires with you here this morning. Three desires that God has for you and I, that Jesus reveals to us through his person, through his earthly ministry when he came to uh, be with us in the flesh. Number one, God desires to be with us. Now I want you to look at verse 14 there in chapter 1. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only one begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. It says dwelt, and I want you to underline that word or circle that word, and some of you have highlighters. Highlight that word dwelt. That's a very important word. You know, I don't often watch the nightly news, but I, I did watch the nightly news this past week on one evening, and at the very end of the broadcast, the anchor said that we experienced a close encounter here on the planet Earth. We had an asteroid that was the size of a semi-truck that came within 2,200 miles of hitting the Earth, so they say. He called that a close encounter. Well, God wants to have a close encounter with us. God's deepest desire is to have a close encounter with you, a personal relationship with you. And so God desires to be with us, always has and always will. And that's why he came in the flesh and he dwelt among us. Now that word dwelt is a very significant word. And I wanted you to mark that because I want you to know what that word means. It means tabernacled 
tabernacle. Now you're saying, well, what does that word mean? You have heard of the tabernacle that was erected by the Israelites in the midst of the camp when they set out on their wilderness wanderings, right? The tabernacle. He told the people of Israel, he said, when you leave Egypt and you go out into the wilderness, I want you to divide the 12 tribes. I want you to put three tribes on each side, north, south, east, west, and right in the center of your camp, I want you to erect a tabernacle because I am going to come, says the Lord God, and I am going to fill that tabernacle with my Shekinah glory. I am going to fill it so that my presence will be with you in the very midst of that camp. Tabernacled. You know, as a child, one of the things I liked to do a lot of was build forts. You know, especially in the house with blankets and pillows, we love to build forts. And my kids love to do the same thing. Taking the blanket, spreading it out, tucking it into the couch cushion. Sometimes you'd have to get a chair from the kitchen to prop it up and make you, you know, and, and just have a nice fort. And kids love that. And they love to get in that fort and they love to just play inside there and have lots of fun in the fort to dwell inside a tent, a tent of meeting. And I remember that when my kids were little and one of the things that they really liked is when I would sneak into that fort with them. I'd get in there and sometimes I'd act like an animal. I'm going to get you and they would chase them around. But then when we would settle down, they would get a, we'd like to get a flashlight and in that dark fort, we would get a book and we would just look at those books in that fort with a flashlight. And I would think to myself, looking back on it now, how safe that we all felt in that fort and how much fun that that was. And that's exactly what I want you to know with the Lord God. He is tabernacling with us. He is dwelling with us. He is pitching his tent among you his presence is with you he will not leave you nor forsake you he says i am here and i have come to dwell with you i am here and i have come to tabernacle with you please will you accept me will you let me in to your fort will you allow me to tabernacle in your life with you this is the thing the desire that god has to be with us has motivated god all throughout history, all throughout the beginning of time, motivated his actions, his words, everything that he has done, he is motivated by his desire to be with you. Nothing pleases God more than to be with you. You were created and the purpose of your very existence is to be with God. And so he says, I desire nothing more than to just be with you. And in the midst of that camp, when the Israelites were in their wilderness wandering and they had the three tribes on each side and God filled the tabernacle with his glory, those were good times. And when you build a fort with your kids or your grandkids or you remember back to when you were a child and you would build those forts and you would get it, you remember those we're good times and God is always with us. He is with us in the good times, but God is also with us in the hard times. Look what it says there in Psalm 23, verse four. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Because you, God, you are with me. 
You are my rod and my staff. They comfort me. God is with us, not only in the good times, but in the hard times. Heck, God is with us in all times. All times, God is with us. Listen to what he says in Matthew 28, 20. He says, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Lord, God is with us in all times. Not just the good and the bad, but always. And he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That is why I have given you, he says, my Holy Spirit to indwell within you. When you confess your faith in me, when you come to me through my son, Jesus Christ, and the plan that I have laid out before you, when you will commit and surrender to that, I will not only be with you, but I will take up residence. I will tabernacle. I will dwell within you. I will give you my Holy Spirit to be with you forever. Now, you may be thinking, well, you know, I'm a Christian. And I love the Lord, but there are times where it just really doesn't feel like God is with me. It feels like God has departed from me. And I want to give you this assurance, my dear friends. God has not left you. God is still there. And if you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and are committed to him and him alone for the faith of your salvation, God dwells within you and he will not leave you. It may be that you are leaving him. Maybe there's something in your life. Maybe there's an issue that's going on in your life that is quenching the spirit of God that dwells within us. You see, God has made the promise. I will not leave you, nor forsake you. You see, when you become a Christian and the spirit of God dwells in you, it doesn't leave and then come back and then leave and then come back. God says, no, once you're with me, you're with me. You're my child always. I have you under my protection. So if we feel as if God's presence has left us, my dear friends, it has not. Maybe it's we are doing something to cause ourselves to not feel God's presence with us. Because God says in the midst of your adversity, in the midst of your most trying times, you should still be able to praise my holy name. You should still be able to give me thanks. You should still be able to know and trust that I am still there. Difficult times should not cause us to lose our faith, but difficult times should cause us to be able to let our faith shine through difficult times are the things that you and i look forward to because it gives us the opportunity to glorify god and you say well nick you're crazy i don't look forward to any difficult times but jesus made the promise he said if you follow me you will have adversity Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to cause division. Listen, the faith of Christ is going to cause a division between a daughter and her mother, between a father and a son, a daughter-in-law and a mother-in-law, father-in-law and a son-in-law. Why? Because not everyone is going to embrace that faith. Not everyone is going to surrender to Christ. 
And Jesus say, hey, I didn't come to bring peace like you think. I came here and I came here and it will cause division. And you will have difficult times. But even in the midst of those difficult times, know this, I am always with you and never leave you nor forsake you. So that is the first thing that I saw from this passage is that God desires to be with us and that's why he sent his word in human form because of his desire to dwell among us. Now the second thing I noticed was this, his second desire. Another way that Jesus explains God, another way that Jesus unfolds God in that pop-up book brings out the character of Jesus Christ is that God desires us to know his ways. Now, you know, a good mentor or a good leader will always put their words to actions. You remember the movie The Karate Kid, right? And you remember Miyagi. He would say, Daniel, son. Come here, do this, right? Miyagi, the, the great uh, leader, master. And Daniel would say, you know, I want to learn how to do that karate, right? And Miyagi would say, okay, wax on, wax off, Daniel. And Daniel would be like, this ain't karate. You're just having me do work for you. And he would say, okay, yeah, you're right. He said, I want to learn to do karate, Daniel would say. And Miyagi would say, okay, sand the floors, Sand the floors. And then Daniel would be sand the floors. He said, you're still not teaching me anything. And then Miyagi would say, okay, paint the house. Right? And Daniel would paint the house. And all through it, Daniel was becoming frustrated. Because he's like, I've come to this guy to teach me how to do karate. And instead, he's teaching me, or he's using me, rather, to do all these chores for him around his house. Until the moment when Miyagi said, Daniel, come here. And he started to throw karate chops at him, right? And he said, Daniel, wax on. And Daniel went, whoosh. And he blocked the punch. And he said, Daniel, sand the floor. And Daniel sand the floor, and he blocked the punch. And Miyagi threw another punch, and he said, Daniel, paint the house. And Daniel started to paint the house motion, and it blocked the punch. And he said, Daniel, you are learning. You just don't know that you're learning. And so God is a God who has always put his actions to his words. We need not to look any further than the book of Genesis. But however, in order to really pack a punch and to show us, you know, hey, my words have substance to them. He sent his word in the flesh in a form of Jesus Christ at the right time, at the right moment to shed light on who God really is. And when Jesus came to minister here on this earth, it opened the eyes of those who were there. Jesus did things that they had never seen before. He said words, not only the words that they have never heard before, but he said them with power and he said them with authority and they were in awe and they said, this man speaks with authority. We've never heard such words come from a man before with this type of authority and this power. Who is he? And they all marveled and wondered at who Jesus was. And Jesus desired for us, God desired for us to know his ways. Jesus would do, he would explain the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 7, 28. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. He would say things such as this. 
It is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to inherit the kingdom of God. And he would say these things like this, and it was contrary to the teaching of the religious leaders at the time. Because at that time, it was looked upon as a sign of great blessing and that God was with you if you had a multitude of wealth and riches. Like, whoa, look at all the stuff you have. God is really with you. And Jesus said, no, that's not exactly what that means. And they thought that poverty was a sign of a curse. And then Jesus would also say things like this. But the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these little children. Children in that time were to be seen and not heard. And for them to go to a rabbi or to a teacher and to sit on his lap or to mingle with him was unheard of. But Jesus said that. He said, do not hinder the children from coming to me. For the kingdom of heaven is like these. And unless you yourself become like one of these, humble at heart, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. As many of you know, my wife Amy has been in Africa. She left last week and she's been there for one week she'll be there all of next week as well and one of the messages she has relayed in that area she is just refreshed just refreshed and touched of the hunger that those children have to learn she said it's like nothing i've seen here unfortunately the hunger that they have to just know the basics. You know, teaching them good methods of hygiene, how to stay clean in that type of environment. ABCs and one, two, threes. They're happy. They're content. She said, she sent a picture. I said, can you send me a picture of you? And she said, okay. And she sent a picture. And she said, that picture was taken by a little girl with my phone that had never held a phone before or taken a picture before. And she said, Nick, these children are content. They are happy. They don't know what they don't have. You know, when you think about the little children who came unto Jesus, that's the vision that came to me was that conversation that we had. And so we all need to be childlike in our faith. Jesus would say things not like this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. He said, not everyone who says that will enter the kingdom of heaven. But instead, he taught it's those who are committed to him who will enter the kingdom of heaven, not those who make a show. Jesus Christ revealed to us that God desires for us to know his ways. This is a big football weekend, isn't it? Today is a big day in the NFL championship weekend. And our Cincinnati Bengals are on the verge and we, we hope that they're going to do it, right? And so NFL teams, they'll bring in new coaches, right? Every year you'll hear, well, he's on the hot seat and here's a candidate that they have. And what these teams are hoping is that they'll find the right coach to bring in and that he will be able to teach his ways to the team and that his ways will be accepted and that they'll be executed and that they'll have success. 
And that's exactly what God wants for us. He says, here you go. Here are my ways. I give them to you because I love you and I want you to have success. And I want you to know that having adversity in your life and going through hard times in your life is not a sign of failure. I will say that again. If you are having difficulty and adversity in your life, it does not mean that you are a failure or that you have done something wrong. It simply might mean this, that God sees your faith and he has so much trust in you to get, allow you to go through that time of testing that he wants your faith to shine in the midst of others because he says, I know people who are watching you. They're going to see how you're going to respond. They're going to see how you're going to react in this difficult situation. And I want you to bolster their faith by allowing your faith, by taking your faith, by using your faith in a real and practical way. Use it. That's what we have it for, right? It's our faith. We carry it with us. It's like that travel bag. And when the times get tough, and even when times are good, we use it. We use it on a daily basis. That's what the Christian faith is all about. Using it, right? It's not entertainment. It's to be used. It's a tool for living, right? The Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth. You know that. You've heard that a hundred times before. And that's exactly what it is. Our faith is to be used. Jesus, he would say things like the kingdom of heaven is like this. And he would speak in parables. One parable he used was the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. And this is smaller than all the other seeds. But when it was full grown, it is larger than any of the other garden plants and it becomes a tree. And the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Jesus taught us not only about the kingdom of heaven, but he taught us how to love. He took everything that the law and the prophets taught us and he summarized them into two commands. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and in love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus taught us how to love. He taught us about God's love. And I believe personally that God's greatest attribute is love. And that's why 1 John 4, 8 is one of my favorite verses. Because it tells us very pointedly, God is love. That's what he is. He can never change or be anything other than that. And so you see, when you read the text of the Bible and you try to get through the hard passages, why did God do this? Why did God do that? Well, then you always will know that God did it out of love. God did it out of love. This happened because of God's love. So that was the second thing that I experienced in my study is that God desires for us to know his ways. And the final point that I have here is that God desires for us to have eternal life. That's what Jesus revealed. That's how Jesus explains God. He desires for us to have eternal life. In fact, his desire for us to have eternal life is the culmination of his patience, of his guidance, and of his sacrifice. And this desire is for all people. Not just a select few, but for all people. Second Peter 
3 9 says i desire for none to perish but for all to come to repentance he says if you love me you will keep my commandments god desires for us to have eternal life and that is why jesus became sin on our behalf second corinthians 5 21 he made him who knew no sin jesus christ was sinless and perfect he never committed a sin he had no sin within him he made him jesus to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of god in him he basically took his son jesus christ and he said you are sin now and jesus became sin on our behalf why did he have to do that why did he become sin because sin had to be paid for right the wages the cost of sin is death there is a price for sin every time that a commandment of god is broken every time that a human being sins breaks a law of god does something against god's will there is a payment that must be paid for that it carries a heavy penalty and that penalty is death so god said you know what my love is so big so great my desire for you is so great i'm going to take my son christ and i am going to allow him to become sin on your behalf and i'm going to allow him to go to a cross and i'm going to allow him to take a punishment which should have went to you but I'm going to put it on someone who has never sinned, someone who has an infinite amount of no love for you, even though you folks don't have any love for him, because even in your own lives, you don't demonstrate any love for God. You just do whatever in the world you want to do, right? This is, this, this is my thinking when I think about these passages in God, about the human condition in human beings. And as I walk this earth for the last 45 years and I go about my daily business and my daily encounters and I just see how flippantly people pass through this life with no consideration even of the, the destination of their very own soul. Take no time to consider the depths of their soul. Just pass through life right let's put some more bagel bites in the oven let's put a little pretzel in the microwave let's watch a few more videos on the ipad let's just let it pass by let's just entertain ourselves let's do everything we can to not have to think about the inevitable and let's just hope that God gives us a pass at the end. Dear friends, it's not going to happen that way, and you know that. God calls us to reconciliation now. He says you have to confront, you have to confront the reality of the situation, and the reality is there is an eternity to be had. There is an eternal eternity waiting. And God says, I desire for you to have eternal life. 
and he was willing to save us. I read a story earlier. You know, when you think of a firefighter, you think about them going into a burning building, right, and pulling out and saving someone from the fire and being a hero in that way. But these firefighters in Michigan had a little bit different task. There was actually a wandering sheep that went out onto some thin ice, and his front legs got stuck in the ice. So picture, if you will, on this pond, this sheep with its front legs stuck in the ice and the rest of its body outside. He couldn't move. He couldn't get away. And so someone had made the call. There's a wandering sheep on ice, and he needs rescued. And these firefighters came, and uh, one firefighter went out onto the ice. He was connected to a harness. And he went out on all fours onto the ice and he rescued this sheep and brought him back to safety. And to me, that illustrated and gave me a picture of what Jesus Christ did when he took our sin and he took our punishment. He rescued us, not from an icy pond, but from the fires of an eternal hell. He said, I'm going to take this punishment from you and absolve you from the wages of your sin, which is death. And I am going to take that from you. I'm going to give you the opportunity. I'm going to give you the choice. And I'm going to give you the free will. Are you going to decide to love me? And he took that punishment. You know, what an amazing God we serve. What a gracious God we serve what a god of love and compassion we serve how patient can you be how patient is god with us he is so patient he's willing to overlook overlook in a manner that i mean like this our sin sins of the world sins of the lost aren't overlooked they're recorded but he is willing to offer forgiveness. He is willing to take them and wash them clean. My friends, his love never ends. And today is another opportunity for us to worship him, to thank him. And if you've never asked him to forgive your sin, Today is that day and that time. Will you bow your heads with me, please? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you again, Lord God, for the desires that you have in your heart. The desire to be with us, the desire for us to know your ways, and the desire for us to have eternal life so that we could always be with you forever in a kingdom of heaven. You lay these out for us and you brought Jesus Christ down to dwell among us in human form, to be the word of God in human flesh. And so when we read the Bible and we read the ways and the words of Christ, we need to read it with the perspective of knowing that Jesus reveals God and explains who God is. Maybe you would like to know God personally he's inviting you in he's asking please let me into your life let me set up a fort in your heart let me tabernacle with you today i will never leave you 
nor forsake you. You can invite him in and say, dear Jesus, yes, come into my heart and pitch your tent today. Forgive me, Lord, of my sin. I want to be your child. I want to be with you. I want to spend eternity in heaven with you. Father, thank you for always offering us this opportunity. And thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, on our behalf. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sunday message by Pastor Nick Stringer at Creekside Church in Brookville, Indiana. For more information, you can go to www.creekside-church.org and find us on the website. Once again, you've been listening to the Sunday message with Pastor Nick Stringer.